politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Adam! Ba ha ha. Ha ha Travis. Bo ho ho. I knew Christmas was coming. I knew that's what it was. Christmas in May. Merry Friedlander. May re Christmas. Bo, have I got a story for you. It's like an enigma wrapped in a question, wrap, well, whatever. It has to do <laughs> with a browser wrapped in a browser that could be the cause of misery in your life. Travis, you know about this. That's right. It's called a browser in the browser attack. Ah, the online turducken of <laughs> identity criminality. Right. And uh, th this one's pretty sneaky um, because even with anti-phishing training, this is a tactic or a method that can get around a lot of the uh, telltale signs of a, of a phishing attack. You know, when you say a phishing attack, I think a link that I get via email or perhaps texted to me. Um, and what does that have to do with a browser? Well, what this does is you get emailed a link and then that link will lead you to a cloned page that'll look exactly like a service that you use. And it takes advantage of the fact that a lot of people these days, rather than using password managers or keeping track of all their passwords, are using something called uh, single sign-ons. Uh, Wait a second. Now, a service, when you say service, the single sign-ons are few and far between. They're like Google, Facebook. Uh, Microsoft. Who else does Microsoft, right. But it's big, big portals, big companies that are providing the authentication for you so you don't have to fill out all those forms. Is that what we're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. You can just use one password that you know to your uh, primary account rather than having to uh, create a separate account for every single service you use online. Sounds like a potential, uh, what's the word? Cluster uh, F, uh, cluster. Um, a cluster flum, 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 flum. Cluster oh, God. Yeah. A kerfluffle. It sounds cluster. potentially really messy. Right. Cluster fun. That's it. Cluster there we go. fun. So with these uh, with these clone pages, uh, first of all, one thing that you can often see with a um, cloned page is if you mouse over a link, the link will be something different. With these attacks, the if you mouse over the link to say sign into Google, it will actually show you that it's supposed to be leading to the regular Google login form. Let's say that in simpler terms, Travis. It will actually show you the URL for Google. Right. It'll show you the URL for Google. Gotcha. Um, how do they do that? Uh, it's pretty easy. You can just have that. Uh, you can add a little bit of script onto the page that just says, ignore the links and ignore the link destination. Instead, open a pop-up window. Oh, so just as, as you would do to open up like adamlevin.com as a pop-up. Right. Exactly. And so what this, what this does is it opens, it, it doesn't actually open a pop-up window, but it looks exactly like a pop-up window asking you for your login and your password. So it's an overlay or it's inside the browser? It's inside the browser, but it's an overlay on top of the content. So it's like fits exactly to the window. Exactly. Right. Can and you move it? Yeah, you can move it. You can close it. You can um, do all the same things that you would do with a standard pop-up window. So it looks exactly like one. But in this case, it's actually a cleverly disguised script meant to capture your credentials. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but I have another question about this. It's a window. Mm -hmm. So if you're operating the Chrome browser or the Firefox browser, right. and you have multiple tabs open, 
Mm-hmm. This phishing link is going to pop up a new window. So that's one tell. Uh, yeah, it, it would not show up as a new tab. So it looks like Correct. it's just a so, pop-up window. So if you're used to seeing things, if you have your computer set mm-hmm. to just open a new tab mm-hmm. as a default, this is going to give you a quick tell. If you're paying attention. If you're paying if attention. If you're paying right. attention, you will notice, oh, there's a new window. That's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And but the, if you don't see the black cat in the matrix, <laughs> right, and it doesn't glitch, mm-hmm. what happens next? Well, if you uh, one of the things that makes it uh, tricky to identify is that you can actually drag the uh, window around on your screen. Yeah, it's a window. I get it. Right, but you can't drag it outside of your browser window. So why that not? is that is the one tell. Well, why not? Uh, because it's actually, it's not a new window as such. It's just a pop-up within a, within your browser. Oh, so it's not a window. It is actually a pop-up that looks like a window and, and, uh, so I'm, I'm moving the window around right now. As and it goes off screen, screen. Mm-hmm. off screen, off screen. Yeah. So I know you guys are legit, but if you guys weren't legit and it was time to quit, you'd get stuck in there because you'd be a pop-up. And we just feel like shite. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't rhyme. <laughs> it would in England. But. It would have. We didn't want to get a beep. <laughs> I've been watching Anatomy of a Scandal. Come on. I get it. <laughs> Too legit to shite. Shite. <laughs> at at um, any rate, the main thing about it is um, it gets around a lot of the telltale signs of a phishing or a clone huh. site. Um, and in, in so doing, uh, if you really want to take it to the next level, it can read whatever um, operating system or browser you're using and make it look like that window, uh, which makes it even harder to detect. Ooh. So it really can, it, it, it actually in the, when it's served the request for the page or the pop-up in this instance, it's actually seeing everything. It's got your IP address. It sees what, you're, what operating system you're using right. and serves it accordingly. So to, uh, to quote a former president that might be somewhat part of the story that we're about to tell later on, mm-hmm. this is a bad hombre. And he's not talking about a blonde to brown hair dye job. Um, Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, cyber historian. I'm Bo, cyber neo-Marxist interested in a good story. (laughs) And I'm Travis, cyberarian. (laughs) Cyberarian, eh? Yeah. (laughs) And today on the show, Brian Ebert is back, ladies and gentlemen. And he's going to tell us a story about the Secret Service's response to a 2017 cyber attack on the presidential inauguration. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rope's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means 
fitness, to get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com and please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We'd like to welcome Brian Ebert back to our show. Brian was the former chief of staff of the United States Secret Service. He was also a special agent in charge of the Washington Field Office among other titles that he has. He's now the chief strategy officer for a company called Hackers Jack uh, out of Virginia. And Brian has some fascinating stories to tell. In fact, we did a previous episode with Brian that I know you'll enjoy listening to that had to do with taking down an international credit card ring. But today we've got a lot of new and interesting stuff to talk to Brian about. So Brian, tell us a little bit about you that I haven't already told them about you. Uh, well, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, Bo, Travis, great great to be back with you. Welcome back. Great to have you. Uh, as you said, I, I worked for the Secret Service for almost 30 years, obviously started in my uh, my mid-teens uh, to make that happen. And, uh, when you were 10, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, you know, the Secret Service has a dual mission of protecting our nation's leaders and in uh, protecting the integrity of our, the financial infrastructure of our country. So uh, I had the good fortune throughout my career to bounce back and forth between those two parts of our missionary and worked in field, field offices, working uh, criminal investigations. Uh, Secret Service is a small agency, so we all wear a lot of hats, so everything from... Um, investigations to surveillances to uh, making arrests, everything in between, uh, and then bouncing between that investigative mission and our protective mission, both through our support we provide in our field offices and being assigned to a protective detail. I was uh, assigned to the vice president's detail for uh, Vice President Gore and Vice President Cheney uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And just sort of jumped around to a bunch of different offices. I started in Los Angeles, spent some time in New York, did a number of assignments in, uh, in Washington, D.C. And it was just never a dull moment and really good opportunity to work with a lot of different people from various walks of life and to, to see the world and, uh, and, and learn quite a bit. And Brian, you were also involved in cybersecurity, too, correct? Yes, uh, Secret Service and both sides of our mission is is very much engaged in, in cybersecurity. Uh, and the protective side of our mission, we are focused on keeping the environments that our protectees are going to go into safe. So we're very much concerned about the nexus between uh, the internet and cyber and with the physical world. So we look really hard when the president or another protectee is going to a, a new site. We look at access to the elevator controls, we look at air air intake controls, we look at uh, you know locking systems, we look at uh, cameras, anything that a, a bad guy from the outside could could access that, that could be a threat to security, we, we take a really uh, hard look at that. And in our investigative mission, our mission has morphed since 1865 when we uh, were first charged with protecting our nation's currency from, from counterfeiters up through uh, modern day where primarily we're focused on uh, financial crimes that use the internet or cyber as a platform for them being committed. So that that's really where our focus is on is cyber enabled financial crimes. One thing that uh, I think has been the case for a lot of uh, law enforcement agencies just across the world is that they're a little bit late to the party when it came to uh, cybersecurity. Uh, when did that become a focus for the Secret Service? I would say, um, perhaps immodestly, that, that we were pretty pretty early to the table. Mm-hmm. We were charged with uh, fraud investigations, uh, access device fraud, credit card fraud, cell phone cloning, other types of cell phone fraud, pretty early on in the uh, in the eighties, and in the mid 
uh, early mid nineties, we, uh, I want to say 94, 95, uh, we created our, <clears throat> at the time, today they're known as, as cyber fraud task forces, C, uh, CFTFs. But at the time they were known as electronic crimes task forces, where we bring together uh, all different types of federal, state, and local law enforcement, but also the private sector, specifically the bank and finance sector, uh, as well as academia to kind of come together look at uh, fraud trends, what's going on, and coming up with solutions uh, to help us investigate those sort of crimes and to uh, you know, track down and catch the bad guys, seize the assets, and, uh, and see justice done. So we, we've been involved with that for a long time. A lot of other agencies are also involved, such as the FBI and, and such as uh, ICE Homeland Security Investigations and certainly state and local law enforcement, but we all work together we sit on their task forces, they sit on our task forces. But if the focus is financial crimes that, that are cyber enabled, then generally the Secret Service has a lead for those sort of type, those type of cases. And I'm uh, wondering, uh, what do you see as the biggest current threat out there um, when it comes to cyber crime? The agencies continue to reprioritize uh, our, our resources based on the evolving techniques that the, the cyber criminals are using. And Right now, you know, the agency is seeing a lot of use of digital, digital currency to mm -hmm. either uh, move money around or to uh, for money laundering purposes or for illegal deals or to cash out money from criminal activity that was primarily cyber in nature. So I know the Secret Service, I'm retired a few months now, but I, I know they've recently opened the public facing cyber currency awareness site to educate the community and provide a forum for reporting potentially legal activities um, and, and very much focused on, uh, on going after the, uh, go, you know, following the money, going after the money so we, we can seize it and, you know, get, get it back to the victims whenever possible. That's been the focus as we've seen a huge increase in transnational organized crime cases that are using these digital currencies. So Brian, speaking of evolving threats, uh, you have a pretty high-level story for us today that happened in 2017, I believe. Yes, uh, it was it was not far before the 2017 presidential inauguration. America has a new president. Overnight, we saw Donald Trump occupying his new office, the Oval Office. We also saw him in person. These presidential inaugurations are designated as National Special Security Events, or NSSEs. It just means they're large events of national significance. Other examples are like the United Nations General Assembly in New York, World Leader Summits, political conventions like the RNC and DNC. These events are led federally by the Secret Service, the FBI, and Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Secret Service is responsible as the lead agency for planning, coordinating, implementing the Comprehensive Security Plan. FBI covers intelligence and, and incident management. Uh, and, and FEMA is consequence management or incident recovery if, if something something bad happens. At the time, I was the special agent in charge of our Washington field office, as you mentioned before, and we had the operational lead for working with all the partners to plan and coordinate the, the plan for the inauguration. I have a dumb question about the inauguration, Brian, that I think maybe our listeners may have a similar question. The line of succession, how does it work when you have everybody who's anybody who could possibly be president there? For events such as the inauguration or uh, presidential addresses to a joint session of Congress, there's so, there's always someone that is in the, uh, in the line of succession that, that does not attend. A designated and survivor. Uh, yes, yes. And that person may or may not receive Secret Service protection during other circumstances. But during those times, the this, this Secret Service uh, joins up with whoever uh, it provides protection to those folks. Roger. Good evening, Mr. President. Roger, I'm sorry you drew the short straw on this. <laughs> we'll miss you tonight. Next year, it'll be the Surgeon General, I promise. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can watch on TV my study. Thank you, sir. I mean, well, it, would just, it still bothers me that the, the head of agriculture would be the president just because. But <laughs> there you have it. 
I would suggest that agriculture is pretty important to the country. So no, I hey 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 hey, you, I agree with you a hundred percent, and I didn't mean hey, no no pun intended. Sure. Just remember, Kiefer was head of housing and urban development. Mr. Secretary, you need to put the phone down. Mike, what the hell is going on? I said put the phone Man, down. Okay, we've lost contact with the Capitol. We're searching the places. Some kind of explosion in or around the Capitol building. We are still watching. Yeah. I've heard of this show. I can't say that uh, I can't say that I've seen it, but I understand that that's that's what this show is about. I've always just wondered about that. Who, when everyone's there, who's who's gonna who's gonna take over if anything were to happen? And the big question is, how does that person get picked? Uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> that's probably a little bit too far into the kitchen. We're going to have to go back into the dining room. <laughs> So for the, these inaugurations uh, are many months of planning, um, coordinating, coming up with the plan, training, doing exercises to prepare for these three days of events. Because it's not just the inauguration, it's the events that usually start the day before and go into the following day of the actual inauguration, the parade, the balls, and all the formal events, and then the prayer uh, event at the uh, at the National Cathedral the following day. So, and all these different agencies, they're bringing manpower, they're bringing all sorts of resources to support this integrated plan. And so eight days before the inauguration events began, we found out from our friends at the Washington DC Metropolitan Police Department that dozens of their permanently installed security cameras in the vicinity of the inauguration have been compromised. No. Uh-oh. Over 100 cameras. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. That sounds to me like, I mean, so the first thought has to be that there's something extremely serious afoot. We were very concerned um, that the bad, bad actors could have access to these cameras, which were part of the plan. They were some of the most important uh, images that we wanted of the parade route and other events around the inauguration. And we were also access that, that they are uh, concerned that they could have access and uh, and, and disrupt our security plan. Now, now, when that when you when you find something like that out, Brian, does that elevate your your um, threat level? Does it does it create a situation where does the the president elect find out about this, or are you still just in planning mode and trying to make sure all your your ducks are in a row? It, it lit a fire underneath us for sure. 
And we got our agents from our, I mentioned before, our cyber fraud task force, uh, which includes members of the DC police department uh, over to where, where these computers that supported the camera system were. And we worked with the city's office of chief technology and the team was able to see that there was a, a ransomware attack uh, that had taken control of the camera system, demanding a large sum of money to be paid via Bitcoin to the hackers in, in return for access back into the system. This is where the ominous music in the movie would start to play right about now. Do you know how the uh, police uh, actually discovered the uh, breach? There was a uh, splash page that, that came up that, that gave the demands of the, uh, that made it clear that hackers had used ransomware to take control of the system. And, and we're asking for, it was, it was more than $60,000 among the different uh, computers involved uh, to get for city to get access back into the system. So, so, so this was not a case where somebody stumbled onto this, like, Hey, this camera's not working. Why is that? To where it flat out showed up on a screen going, uh, pay us or else. That's true. We didn't know. We certainly assumed it was intentional and intentionally focused on these computer systems. Cause what else that's what our job is, is to make those sort of assumptions. And now we've had this ransomware attack. But at the time, our goal was to regain control of the camera system before the inauguration and, and catch the criminals involved. And it goes without saying, we weren't going to pay a ransom. Now, is there a thought at this point, Brian, that the, um, the, the ransom demand was actually a cover for something else happening um, and that there, there was a higher threat level than just a, a, I hate to say just, but a garden variety ransomware attack? We didn't know what it could mean we thought about every potentiality that that it that it could mean and and prepared ourselves accordingly so this was a, a great example of the two, why the two sides of the secret service mission are with this one agency of these these criminal investigations and the um uh, and our protective mission because immediately both sides of of, of our mission areas you know ha had to go into action to deal with this uh our technical experts were able to image the hard drives that powered the cameras. And pretty quickly with the city's technology folks, they were able to reconfigure the server so the criminals were locked out and clear from the system and returned all control to the police department and the Secret Service so they could be used to support security operations for the inauguration. So, so Brian, quick question. So was this a software issue? Someone failed to update something? Or was this... Uh just somebody being able to sort of get in? I don't remember all the details. I mean, it was, it was to be honest, we were very, we were focused on two things, making sure these didn't negatively impact the security plan for the inauguration and any of our people that we protect to include, in this case, all the general public that, that come out for these things. And then number two, to, uh, to catch the bad guys. So we, we weren't so much focused uh, that that was kind of more for the uh, for the city, the city of chief technology to kind of go back in and figure out, figure out how it could have been allowed to happen. And we definitely kept abreast of that. But once we know that they were out and that we had control, we were 100 percent focused on the attribution front. Look, no fingers are being pointed at the police department, the Secret Service, Capitol Police. I mean, here's the thing. You've seen those T-shirts with, you know. It happens. Well, unupdated software happens too. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, but it's a common way for people to get hacked. Misconfigurations, failure to update software, all those kinds of things. It's just part of who we are and what we do as a human race. Now, we've all seen the spy movies where people are hacking into municipal cameras to see, you know, commit a crime or to stop someone from seeing a crime being committed. So, you would think that those things would be updated, but you also could totally understand how they might not be. And it's really super common um, to just give one example that I don't know if we want to use or not, Andrew, but to give just one example, there was a recent very serious incident in New York City in the subways and all three of the cameras in the station where it occurred weren't fail failed. They weren't working. It's just a common thing in a giant municipality with th tens of thousands of cameras for things like that to happen. That said, you know, 
there, there's so many, there's so many pieces to this story. So where do you go from here? One of our forensic examiners spent a lot of time with the, the ransomware called a splash page message, uh, realized that the image was actually from a desktop screenshot. And he realized there were other windows open behind the primary screen and blowing up the images, he was able to view part of the, of the content. Enhance. Enhance. And specifically, he was able to view a delivery company's tracking number that investigation revealed came back to an address in London. So as a result, the hackers made a big mistake that you were able to capitalize on. A mistake was made, for sure. And, and because of the fact that the presidential inauguration was only a few days out, working with all our U.S. and U.K. partners, we were able to get a search warrant for the address in London within a few days, which is unprecedented, in my opinion. For, for an international warrant like that to get issued that quickly um, is, I, I'd never seen anything like it. Only because it was the presidential inauguration, you know, was was able to move so quickly. But here's where it gets really interesting. The UK's National Crime Agency and Secret Service agents from our London office, they served the warrant on the London address, seized the computers, and interviewed the occupant of the residence. They quickly learned that the subject didn't appear to know anything about ransomware or the inauguration uh, and seemed believable, but a search of the computers revealed that the London resident had been the victim of another type of cybercrime. It's a scam where bad guys open up a real account as a vendor within Amazon for completely fraudulent purposes. As you know, Amazon sells items directly, but also serves as a marketplace for vendors to sell products through the Amazon site. Right. Once once the vendor account is open, the bad guys will advertise for products that will show up when customers conduct Amazon searches for a particular product. In this case, the customer, the London resident, conducted a search for a smoking gun. I kid you not, this is a food preparation product designed to quickly give foods and cocktails a smoke woodsy flavor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, I just, I visualize this go, go, but white, white, I just wanted a smoking gun. And it's you like, thought you had found the smoking gun. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> it was our smoking gun. The, the, the London resident ended up on the Frosters Amazon site, entered all their credit card and other information necessarily to, to purchase the item. But he, the bad guys don't steal the provided account information because the customer would quickly realize that the point of compromise had been the Amazon vendor, and they would notify Amazon, who would in turn shut down the vendor site, which is very time-consuming to set up for the bad guys. So what they do is they use stolen credit card numbers, likely bought off the dark web, and then buy the item, the smoking gun, from another vendor and send the, the item to the customer so they don't know that a fraud has been committed. Wow. Hmm. Travis looks like he's watching a steak be being cooked <laughs> by the best chef on earth. A <laughs> little bit. Let's let's run that one just one more time just so yeah. even I can grasp it. Okay, so you have a fake vendor site and you have guys who are, you know, they have a, they're looking for what are they looking for? Stolen credit card numbers, they're looking for addresses, information, what? So the bad guys have stolen credit card numbers from another okay. source. Right. So they're looking for a way to get cash out of the deal. So money uh, laundering. To, to cash out. Well, to, I would, it's, it's a type of money laundering, but it's also the cash out. It's getting getting the, the cash out of the, uh, of, of the illegal activity. So they set up the vendor site and they'll put all sorts of stuff on it. So it gets hit when people are looking for something and they'll put stuff on there that they know that they can easily get other places. When the legitimate customer gives their credit card information, the bad guys take that information and buy the 
product from another legitimate site. Okay. Now, how does this? But, how does this end up? Heavens to Mercatroid! How does this? Where do we? How do we go from smoking gun to gun that provides smoke to <laughs> to cameras getting hacked in Washington D.C.? It's it's a little complicated. I I realize it's very insidious. These these steps that the criminals set up so that they can do this scam over and over again through Amazon and the Amazon customer never knows that there's been a fraud committed because they get what they order and their credit card is hit for the amount. What's the reason? What do they get out of it? How does this allow them to commit a ransomware attack in, in DC? Our investigators were able to follow the digital trail to Romania. And with a lot of good investigative work that both in the physical and the cyber, they were able to identify the suspects and that learn that these these bad guys were doing the Amazon vendor fraud, but they were also using what we call ransomware as a service. So they weren't super high speed hackers that developed ransomware. They just, they went on the dark web and bought it. At the time it was server and Dharma or, or the uh, ransomware that they bought. And it came with an instruction book and they just sent it out. And it turns out, all evidence suggests that they didn't know that the servers supporting the police cameras were police cameras and you know involved in the presidential inauguration of the security plan. They 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 likely didn't know that. So Brian, um, you had eight days to go from this hack to getting it solved and getting those cameras back online and making sure all the other cameras were okay. And that all happened in an eight-day period? Uh, I can tell you what didn't happen in the eight-day period was much, was much sleep for anybody working on this. I mean, it was, oh, uh, I bet. I bet. Um, that, this case is all about partnerships. And it, it's what makes these sort of investigations and, and, and agencies like the Secret Service uh, successful is the strengths of these partnerships. If we didn't have an incredibly strong partnership with the Metropolitan Police Department, before this happened, there's no way it would have moved as quick as we did because we knew them so well. They sat on our task forces. You know, I met with the chief regularly and we worked together closely on this inauguration because it's it's their city, you know, and, and uh, so we're we're partners in this. If those relationships weren't as strong as they were, uh, there's there's no way we'd have been able to move this quickly because within a couple of days, we were able to get the bad guys off and make sure that they're clear, wipe them reload the software and and know have a high you know degree of confidence that that those cameras were were ours and that the bad guys didn't have any access to them anymore and then we were able to focus on obviously that was the first priority and then the attribution part that's uh, standing out to me here is that if this was in 2017 and it was part of a ransomware as a service attack, um, that seems like it was pretty early in on the whole um, phase of ransomware hitting that. Uh, I think ransomware as a service became a lot better known after the Colonial Pipeline, for instance, um, attack and things like that. Was that where ransomware as a service uh, syndicates uh, very much on your radar in that era? Was it still just sort of regarded as being kind of like a nuisance hack? I can tell you that they were certainly in their infancy in terms of the, those bulk blasts out that people who didn't know anything about the technology could, could utilize and try to make some money. That it was certainly on the the front end of that wave. Not the first time we'd seen it, right? But it, it wasn't as prolific as it became later. Because it seems like that picked up pretty quickly in the early 2020s, um, just as a more uh, popular type of attack. Um, but I, I know that in like the um, around 2015 or 2016, usually when, you, we, when you'd hear about ransomware, it'd be something like someone taking over one person's computer and asking for like a hundred bucks in Bitcoin. Um, so that seems pretty fascinating that this uh, could have been one of the really early uh, early adopters of that strategy. Well, it must have been. But Adam was talking about this in 2017 already with these with these ransomware as a service company, you know, companies, whatever syndicates that were. Um, 
uh, you know, taking taking a piece of the action in exchange for the use of their software. And I, you know, I think also the the story really we're talking about today shows that criminals don't stick to just one type of scam. And if you guys, as the Secret Service, if you weren't as aware and up on cyber crimes as you were, uh, this investigation could have taken a lot longer. So could you say that because they could follow the trail of this Amazon fraud, they were able to catch the ransomware gang more quickly? I would say that you, you nailed it right on the head. And that's what I always try to convey is the, these two missionaries that we have really you know, two different sides of the same coin. And it makes sense for one agency to be doing both this work because they, the investigations and the protection is are, are mutually supportive in so many ways. And this is a perfect illustration of that, how we would have not been able to be as strong on our protection response if we didn't have the expertise, know-how and experience on the uh, cyber investigative side of the house. Which is a good thing. It's a good thing. I mean, this makes you guys make war games look like a like a dumb movie. You really, just <laughs> we're able to funnel down. No, I mean it's amazing to watch, like to hear a story that, uh, in some ways, really mirrors, I guess, in, in slightly slightly less flashy terms, a lot of the Hollywood movies we see about these investigations. It really does work that way, where you get a tiny little thread and you can follow it all the way to to your criminal. At the end of the day, good investigative work is good investigative work, whether it's physical or cyber. It's it's uh, gathering all the information, talking to the right people, following the money, and uh, and and put it in the uh, put it in the shoe leather or the or the pads of your finger um, to, uh, to to figure things out and, and to stick with it. And again, I I know I say it a lot, but it's so important. And the partnerships, because if we didn't have all the right people as part of our cyber fraud task forces, if we didn't have the relationships overseas and with the local police departments, uh, you know, this also would have been really, really difficult to resolve as quickly and as as, as well as we did. No, and I know that uh, Jen Easterly of CISA has been making it very clear that public-private partnerships are critical uh, internationally in order to get a handle on what is truly a scary situation. Hey, but look, this seems right in line with Secret Service priorities in cybercrime and public education about it, how to recognize potential illegal use of digital assets. So, uh, you know, again, we really appreciate what you guys are doing. And of course, Bo and Travis and I, A, want to thank you for your service. And B, we want to state for the record that none of the messing around with these cameras was done in any way to mask the size of the crowd at the inauguration. Oh, wait, my camera seems to have just been attacked. I, I got, they, oh, they just asked me for $10 to get it back. Yeah, I'll take it in Bitcoin, Bo. Okay. So, hey, hey listen, can you, can you tell us a little bit about the public-facing cybersecurity awareness site that the Secret Service has developed? It provides information, it provides descriptions of how cyber criminals, you know, launder and or cash out illegally gained funds and give people a, a place to, to click if they think that they're seeing, you know, illegal activity um, going on in, in, in cyber world. Is that secretservice.gov backslash investigations backslash digital assets? Or is. is it something else? No, that that's yeah, that's 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 right. Okay, it is. All right, guys. Nice to see you again. Thank you. You rock, Brian. All right. Thank you. Thanks. See you, guys. Thanks. Bye. What can we learn from all this today? What can the non-Secret Service member of the human race take away from our conversation with Brian? No, no, me, 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 not him, me, me. There's a guy in the corner making chimp noises that I think might want to take this one. Are you calling me a chimpanzee? I think that ooh, ooh, ooh is kind of, uh, you know. No, that's different. He's he's doing his boo-boon thing. (laughs) Boo-boo, 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 boo-boo. I... 
Borangutan. I think the takeaway is simple, guys. If you're going to do a ransomware attack, don't have multiple windows open and do a screen grab. Duh. There is that. <laughs> no, but really. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. That Travis... On the grown-up side of things, what do you think? <laughs> oh, oh, I re- <laughs> oh, it's true. I, I'll take it. All right. Well, the uh, I think the main person that, that's uh, sort of the everyman in this situation is the one in England. The moral of the story, and I think that's one that uh, it's a drum that we beat pretty often, is that you need to be really careful online. That even if something seems perfectly legitimate, I mean, especially if you're buying a smoking gun, that is in and of itself a bit of a red flag. Uh, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but but it's uh, even if a transaction seems legitimate, there's always the opportunity or potential for a scam. There's always some way that they uh, that someone online could be trying to get you some in one way or the other. Um, and in this person's case, it ended up being used for uh, trying to disrupt an inauguration. Well, no, it wasn't, Travis. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction True. to make. Okay. It was not used to disrupt an inauguration. What's What I think is also interesting for all those criminals out there listening to our show is that if, you know, you may think you're just doing a simple kind of fraud, but if you end up landing on a police server, for example, around the time of an inauguration, you're committing a much larger crime, which points to the fact that you're always committing a fairly serious crime. And maybe it's time to get a job at McDonald's or something and cut it out. Do they have McDonald's or at least just Indian? try to hack me. No, I'm just saying like it's a more reliable paycheck and these guys are just putting themselves in harm's way and they're clearly not that bright. So, you know, come at me, bro. Come it's at like, me. It's like the <laughs> unintended consequences of intended consequences that were unintended. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, so kids, if you're thinking of setting up a fake marketplace to buy a smoking gun, to provide a smoking gun to the Secret Service when you interrupt something they're trying to prepare for, you're going to prison. Okay, but let's let's roll this back for a second, okay? <laughs> okay. So our moral of the story, if you're buying something on Amazon, how do you protect yeah. yourself? I mean, isn't Amazon supposed to be secure? I mean, it is by and large fairly secure, but the if you're buying from an Amazon affiliate, that might not be secure. And it's something that we run into all the time with uh, supply chain stuff. Uh if you're buying something from Amazon proper, that could be legitimate. If you're buying from a vendor on Amazon, that can also be uh, legitimate. But at the same time, as soon as you start kind of getting a little bit further away from the core services, there's always the opportunity for that to be used in a scam one way or the other. Yeah. And when you're looking, when you're working with a vendor, you're like one step away from leaving the platform. You're on the platform. It's true. But, you know, so, and when I say Amazon big box, when I say vendors on Amazon, that's mom and pop, but that's online mom and pop and online mom and pop shops are not the same as the one that you walk into to buy whatever it is you're looking for. And you just need to be careful because while most, if not many, many, if most, I don't know which way that should go are legit. There's always going to be Natasha and Boris who are looking to hack into everything known to man. So what, what's the best way guys? And I present this to the two of you the best way that you know that a vendor is really a vendor. Well, if you don't want remorse, go to the source. source. What does that mean in this case? Go to Amazon, I guess. I mean, much as that pains me to say it. You guys really sounded enthusiastic there. Let me do it again. If you don't want remorse, go go to to the the source. Okay. Listen, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate you listening. And on your way off the this experience, it, it would be really <laughs> great. experience. <laughs> <laughs> on your way from back to reality. As you, as you return to the real world. Adam, you just hold it for a second. Travis, is this guy going to talk about reviews again? I think he might because we've had uh, something of a milestone on Apple Podcasts. Well, you know, there's someone named Katie in our orbit who had the idea that maybe people would review more if they heard what a good review sounds like. Now, do you think you can do better than this? Fireside chats about all things cyber. This happened on Sunday from Toro Maya. Sorry, Toro Maya, if it's Toro Maja. 
Um, I really love this podcast. I work in retail, which can be unforgiving sometimes. So after work, I just need someone to let me know about crazy scams so that I can focus on something completely different from crazy people at work. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I'm going to continue. And they very much keep me grounded and informed. We keep someone grounded and informed. Grounded. We're not. Yeah. As well as just either laughing, laughing, or groaning. Groaning, I can understand. At a uh, haha just gone wrong. Yeah. Hey, did you hear that? A haha just gone wrong? I did, as a matter of fact. Ooh, we've never had a haha go wrong. I don't know about you, Toramaya, Maya. I'm talking about them as if I'm talking about therapy, and I do think of them as such. <gasps> We're therapists. Okay, I'll be sending around the gold ingots for your services, gentlemen. Winky emoji. Now, I don't think that you can beat that, but if you can, Adam is going to send you a Ford F-150 Lightning. <laughs> And when ah. he does, I want you to send it to my house because I'm really hoping to get one and they're backordered by two years. So. Wait, 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 what? Bo, let's what? be honest. Did what? you not just get a tractor? I know, I'm moving on. So moving right along. That was your got birthday the tractor. tractor. I got a tractor, so now I need a truck. So never mind. You know, Mr. Ingratitude here, let's, if you can write a better review, I will personally assure you that Adam Levin will give you an F-150 Lightning truck Right, Adam? One that I go to the toy store and buy, it will be a perfect replica of your dream F-150 Lightning hey, truck. Hey, you know what? And I actually think that's a better offer because um, the real ones are backordered by two years or three. So, so we'll send you a toy F-150 Lightning if you claim responsibility for your review via email, which you can do, also a Katie idea, on what the hack or adamlevin.com on the Loudtree Media What the Hack channel or adamlevin.com where you can find a link that lets you tell your story to us. Sure. If you have a story, especially one about getting hacked, scammed, or otherwise bamboozled, please come to adamlevin.com and get in touch with us. We may even have you on the show. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.